I've sat in front of a man, Ryan Kugler, who appreciated me being there. Mm. I was intimidated because I hadn't done a superhero film before ever. And here was this young man who was excited to meet me. He said that he had gone to see Malcolm X when he was a little boy with his father. He says as a little boy, he remembered like the costumes. Hello and welcome to Here's to Life with Tori Reid, presented by Victory & Noble, a storytelling company with executive producer Patrick Howe. Here's to Life with Tori Reid was brought to you in part by... We have all been through incredible changes since 2020. In fact, more people are committed to living their best lives than ever before. At Here's to Life with Tori Reid, we are staying healthy and hydrated throughout this episode courtesy of our premier partners at Vivra Water, a sustainable solutions company who has been leading the charge for nearly 40 years for a kinder, smarter, and lighter planet. With the most reliable, highest performing, and eye-catchingly stylish water dispensing equipment available, they specialize in advanced water filtration, chilling, and carbonation at the touch of a button or pull of a handle. Vivro Water is precisely the kind of life choice Here's to Life's leading icons, culture makers, and outliers are making as we all try to lead our very best lives. Sustainable water, making the world responsible and healthier. One conversation, one pour at a time. Go to vivrowater.com, V-I-V-R-E-A-U water.com for more information. Ruth Carter is more than a costume designer. She's a national treasure. At her essence, she is an ambitious storyteller who uses color and texture to immerse the viewer in the world of the story. She is a keen Afrofuturist who creates as she is interpreting. She's been nominated three times for the Academy Award in Costume Design. We all stood up and applauded as she became the first African-American to win an Oscar in costume design for her work on Ryan Coogler's Black Panther. She's been awarded so many other prestigious acknowledgments, including the Costume Designers Guild for career achievement. This proud Hampton University graduate has sewn, hemmed, and designed quite an impressive filmography of over 60 diverse film and television projects, including Do the Right Thing, Selma, Amistad, and Malcolm X. She has worked artfully with Spike Lee on 14 films and has designed for other directors, including Steven Spielberg, Ava DuVernay, Lee Daniels, and John Singleton. She is quite simply the best at what she does. You have a strong presence. Your reputation precedes you. You delight people. You're highly respected and loved. You're committed and determined to tell stories and create culture. You're magical. It is what it is. You have that it factor. You do. As I was preparing, I said, what is it about Ruth Carter? (laughs) You know, we talked about we we're going to have you on the show and everybody we mentioned it to, they just were all a flutter. You mm-hmm. are truly loved and beloved. So let's begin at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Something I've been waiting to tell you. We're going to begin at mm-hmm. Hampton University. We are fellow Hamptonians. 
Oh, what? Wow. <laughs> okay, H-U. H-U. Fantastic. Yes, yes. I was going to put that in the email, but I said, no, I'm going to wait and reveal it on the ah. show. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Ogre 8. That's great. Yes, yes. Ah, Ogre 5, Ogre 8? Yes. I'm Ogre 5, Ogre 4. Are you really? Oh, I love yeah, that. man, I'm way before you. I'm way <laughs> before you, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but we're ogres. I didn't know that. That's yeah, great. we're both ogres. Well, I love that you originally majored in special education, I discovered, mm-hmm. because you wanted to learn sign language and work mm-hmm. for the theater for the deaf. Mm-hmm. You love right. the theater and you yeah. change your major to theater arts. And you originally mm-hmm. wanted to be an actress. Yeah. But an opportunity came up for you to costume design. Yes, exactly. I feel like we're all led in some ways to our journey. You know, our journey is the sum of things that we have experienced in our lives and it just continues to grow. And I was someone who went into a lot of drama classes and programs and You know, I was taught about Black culture very early in my life, and Mm -hmm. it had an impact on me, a very, very positive impact on me. I loved spoken word. I loved performing spoken word. Any child that's in dance class and drama class, you can sometimes see a little light in them that glows. And that definitely was me. It was an outlet. I came from a single parent home. There was eight of us. And so she was our provider. Mm -hmm. And she was always looking for outlets, be it summer camp or things that would enrich us. And I gravitated towards the arts. And that was something that I knew I was passionate about very early. I wanted to perform. I was one of those, you know, mimes. I like wanted to do all of that stuff. So maybe the sign language was a part of that. And I come from a legacy of teachers. My mom was in education and also she was a parapsychologist in our little hometown. And she knew so many people. She knew everybody who was having issues in our little towns of Springfield. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of these people were walking the streets and my brother and I would hide. And when she would talk to them, she'd pull over her car and say, you know, you know, Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams, you know, hi, you know. And we'd hide in the car for like not wanting our friends to see us. And (laughs) my mother would say, you know, oh, he looks good. You know, he has a clean shirt on and he's talking really good. So I feel like having this connection to people and their stories and high school. And when I got to college, education, theater for the deaf, being a teacher, learning sign language and being able to communicate with people who could not speak was very interesting to me. And I was two years into special education before I decided to change over to theater arts. And I changed because I was always in the theater. My classmates who were doing extracurricular work in the theater were encouraging to me. And I decided I found a community there and that maybe I could go 
via theater arts department to Theater for the Deaf. And so we actually did perform at a few special education schools. We performed in their little theaters and I was just enthralled that I could make them laugh and I could make them get excited by all of our nonverbal performances. So then with that being a passion of yours, this Oscars 2022, the fact that CODA won, the fact that the best supporting actor was the lead in CODA, what did you feel when that happened? Because that was a huge stride for the deaf community. Yes, to see how beautifully they signed became like an emotional recall for me because Mm -hmm. I was in the schools that were for deaf children. And your first year in special education, they mainstream you into the classrooms. They have you volunteer in the classrooms. And so that you know early in your education, if this is really something that you are passionate about and that's something that you want to do. And I would see beautiful handwork, a beautiful signing and kids talking to each other. And I so desperately wanted to understand what they were saying. So seeing Coda and just seeing how beautifully he signed and communicated to the world was just a huge emotional recall for me. Well, let's go back to that moment, the moment that you knew you wanted to design costumes. Do you remember that mm-hmm. moment? I do. I was working on A Raisin in the Sun, and I was actually sketching. I come from artists in my family, visual artists. My two brothers are painter and a sketcher, and I grew up knowing how to do that. And mm-hmm. so for A Raisin in the Sun, I played Benita as well as did the costumes for the whole play. And I remember showing my fellow actors their sketches for the play. Mm -hmm. And they were so impressed. And I didn't think like anything of it. I rolled it out. Then I knew then that I could also be creative in other ways Mm -hmm. that wasn't performing, that was examining maybe not just one character, examining all the characters. Yes. And I enjoyed it. And there was a little bit of an escapism. There was some solitude in it. Mm -hmm. There was some cathartic element to it. I wasn't a rich kid. I didn't have all of the beautiful clothes that a lot of the other students (laughs) did. So I had to kind of like define my voice, you Mm -hmm. know, to maintain, I don't know, I wasn't really trying to be popular, but there was a way of defining my place in this world of student life. And I was a costume designer at Hampton. I was that. Our HBCU and that experience plays a huge part in my life. And it has, and I know it has in yours. Let's talk about that. How has Hampton University and HBCU culture played into your success, into your worldview, and into your storytelling? I had the most incredible mentors at Hampton, the late Linda Bolton-Smith. Her father taught in the drama department. Her mother was an artist and taught in the art department, and she taught Black theater in the drama department, and she became a very strong mentor to me. I have her to thank for like everything that I am right now. 
that she took me under her wing and believed in me and actually was the first person that told me I was an artist. I mean, I was doing the costume design at Hampton for the step shows and for the plays. And I never really thought I was an artist. I don't know why. I thought I was just figuring something out. (laughs) And she asked me to do a journal Mm -hmm. as part of my assignment in her class and that I could put in the journal anything I wanted and tear sheets. And it was kind of like a vision board and a book. And then at the end of the semester, she took it, looked through it, and she loved my journal so much. And I just remember just having this appreciation for someone who saw me. And I have carried that appreciation for my whole life since college. And that was a defining moment when we have people like that along our journey that believe in you and make things clearer. Like you said, it was natural to you. It was a passion. You enjoyed doing it, but you didn't see yourself as, per se, a costume designer or how big of a deal it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. said most people think your inspiration in becoming a costume designer came from Dior or playing with Barbies when you were a child. And I love this. Mm You said it came from James Baldwin, Lorraine Hansberry, Sonia Sanchez, and Nikki Giovanni, who we were blessed to have on the show. All our beloved storytellers and masters in their craft. Talk about these mentors of yours. Throughout high school, I was always encouraged to read the poetry, Ed Bullen, Sonia Sanchez, you know, the revolution will not be televised. I had revolutionary brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and They really wanted me to understand Black culture. You can call it Afro-future. And also, I would read Langston Hughes, you know, Crystal Stairs. And I could see the tenement. I could see the images. I could Mm -hmm. see the reason for expressing in art the struggle Mm -hmm. of African-Americans in the city, in the country. I knew James Van Der Zee's work in high school. I knew the painters. And I wanted to be a part of their world in some way. And connecting with them was like connecting to storytelling, whether it be through reading a short story, reading a poem, or reading a play. And I I felt very strongly that I could express myself as an artist and recreate some of these images visually. I used to draw a lot, and I would draw characters. My brother and I were always drawing characters, and I was drawn to drawing the characters' faces and Mm -hmm. expressions. And it's something that just lived in me and was groomed in me very early. So as I said, by the time I got to college, Mm -hmm. I was trying to skew it towards education and special education, elementary ed. And I did study that for a couple of years, Mm -hmm. but really the passion was in the storytelling. Mm -hmm. Which you are synonymous with storytelling and Afrofuturism. Yes, you are truly a pioneer in that field. Isn't that fascinating? Ruth connects herself to our most powerful storytelling traditions. She didn't reference Orson Welles or even Oscar Michelle or a revered costume designer, but instead the architects of the culture, folks from the Harlem Renaissance and black arts movement, sometimes called griots. Ruth Carter is a proud griot 
And like our best griots, the story in her costumes not only entertain, but more importantly, educate us about who we are. I'm curious, I read that, and you mentioned some of the films that you've done and nominated for Malcolm X, Selma, Do the Right Thing, The Butler, also Sparkle. Mm -hmm. And then you do Mm -hmm. fun films like Coming to America Part 2. I would like to Mm -hmm. also say February 2021, you were the second costume designer to be honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The first was Edith Head. Mm -hmm. I actually like Edith Head. Was she someone that you would study from time to time? Oh, yeah. I did Mm -hmm. study, you know, her work. She was an institution, you know. She She was. was there at Universal. And so her name was put on every film that was produced Mm -hmm. because she was like a department head there. Not only was she a designer, she was like, and she understood the PR that she would take pictures of herself in her studio. And so she was an image for all of us to go to when we thought of who a costume designer is. And all the classic films, the structure of Hollywood Mm -hmm. was such that Edith Head was the head of the design of the film. And then there was a male costumer and a female costumer, and then it trickled down from there. But there were also other costume designers that I studied, like Anne Roth, who were actually living mm. and breathing, you know. Yes, and, yes. And I studied their color palettes. She did Ma Rainey's Black Bottom wow, uh, recently, okay. and she's in her 80s, I believe, oh, or wow. maybe she's 90 now. She's still a costume designer. And I studied like Places in the Heart, and I really looked at her color palette. I was very much into storytelling through color, mm-hmm. and I wanted to understand how how they applied that in their work because I could see that she used, uh, you know, beautiful blues and browns to tell creative historic stories. It was before I'd done Malcolm X and I really wanted to be like her as an artist. I didn't necessarily go into this industry wanting to be a black costume designer. I just wanted to be a great costume designer. And I considered Ann Roth a great costume designer. And I see her name all the time on the credits. So now I have to go back and and I don't know which film she's done. So I'm going to do my research. Silkwood, Places in the Heart, Ma Rainey's Black Bottoms, uh, just to name a few. We must talk about Black Panther. You created an Afro-futuristic vision of Africa. That was one, the ancient tribes of our past. Two, a loving tribute to the future that is now. And three, something that was totally bold. Like I said, your name is synonymous with Afrofuturism and storytelling. Let's talk about the phenomenon that is Black Panther. You created culture and character and design. How did you do that? When I first went into Marvel Studios to interview for the job, I met Nate Moore, who was our executive from Marvel, and Ryan Cooper, who was our director. He and Joe Robert Cole together wrote a film about the first Black superhero, Black Panther, and the place that he was the king, Wakanda. And I had never done a superhero film. I knew how to research through working on movies like Selma and Malcolm X and so many others. Mm -hmm. And when I walked into the room with Nate and Ryan, 
I was very nervous and I had collected a lot of Afrofuture images to talk about Black Panther in the world. Like you could look at the comics and you can see that it was an immersion of cultures and Mm -hmm. people were using technology and whatever the technology was at the time that the illustrators drew these images for these comics, you could get a sense of, okay, now today, what would that look like? Yes. And uh, I've sat in front of a man, Ryan Coogler, who uh, appreciated me being there. Mm. Uh, You know, I was intimidated because I hadn't done a superhero film before ever. And here was this young man who was excited to meet me. And I was excited to meet him. He said that he had gone to see Malcolm X when he was a little boy with his father. And that story was so endearing, you know, that he sat on his father's lap in the movie theater. And he says, as a little boy, he remembered like the costumes. Mm, And wow. It almost felt like I had interviewed for Black Panther when (laughs) Ryan was a little boy. Yeah. And it started a good relationship. It started us off on the right note. And we began to talk about my experience on Malcolm X. We began to talk about Afrofuture. And I realized that what I was experiencing as a young girl, he was experiencing in another time as a young man in terms of Black power movement and the understanding of African culture and the understanding of like where we are as African-Americans and being a positive image to culture. And it felt like family that day. So I had the guidance of a dynamic young man mm-hmm. who supported a vision that we all shared and wanted to immerse more in depth into art and culture. Yes. And that was a love letter. Mm. That was an open invitation. And so taking that ball and running with it wasn't as easy as just that because I had to understand a lot of new technology, 3D printing, how to make a super suit, how to, there's, there were so many elements that I was learning. So immersing yourself 500% was a journey and a journey and a half. I mean, waking up every morning and just going at it till you fall out at night mm-hmm. and then getting up the next day and doing it again and again and again is that place that artists find themselves when they are in flow. Yes. And nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. And you're connected to the process in such a spiritual, connected, dedicated way that you wake up at the end and you go, what happened? (laughs) Really? I think so. Yeah. I think that we all get into... It just flies by in a way? No, it doesn't fly by because it's really hard. Yeah. But the dedication to getting it done, meeting the deadlines... Mm-hmm. require that you have a focus on the art, a super focus, yeah. that where you're making decisions all the time, every minute, and you want to make the right decision. So there is a super focus and a little bit of adrenaline that's working also 
to make sure that how you create is in flow with how production design is creating yes. is in flow with what visual effects needs and there's a lot of needs on the table and mm-hmm. so everybody is encouraging and supportive and then that milestone is uh, achieved and the next milestone comes right after it so it was that kind of an experience on black panther mm-hmm. to get something done that had not been seen before. I joke that I told my crew all the time, this is not the Lion King. This is not coming to America. It was integral that we understood that, that this was something completely different. Talk about the spirit during that process. All of the actors knew we were doing a special film Mm -hmm. and there weren't any divas. Everyone wanted to understand where you were coming from. I remember Forrest Whitaker wanted a copy of all of my research of the tribes and of everything that we had done up until the point where he came in for his fitting. And and that was quite a bit. And we put a big notebook together for him that he took with him to his hotel. And so he really understood that this was a special project that he also needed to catch up and understand where we were, Lupita and Michael B. Jordan and Denai Guerrera. They all had a commitment to their part yes. and to understanding our part as a collective body. And I think that's what made it magical. Yeah. And it was on the screen. We all felt it. Mm-hmm. Yes. She comes from a family of teachers. She invokes the names of our Sonia Sanchez, Nikki Giovanni, Langston Hughes, and Lorraine Hansberry as inspirations to her work. And we are all learning about ourselves from Ruth Carter's tireless work to not only tell our stories, but color, texture, regale us, and yes, get the story right. She is a pioneer from the Afro-futuristic world, ever emerging, telling our new stories as if with vibranium thread and thimbles from the ethereal worlds of Wakanda or the grit and steel worlds of Malcolm X's New York and Selma, where Martin Luther King, cloaked in sartorial splendor, redeems our humanity. But more than anything else, she seems to come from a soul of giving back, service, and love. She's teaching us. She loves her people, and that love shines through so we can all love ourselves better, kinder, sweeter, irrespective of appearance, or perhaps because of it. This is part one of a two-part special conversation with the singular Ruth Carter. We look forward to part two, where we talk about her historic win and that magical moment when she received her first Oscar for Black Panther. Also, when she feels most alive, the power and her passion for mentorship, how she wishes to be remembered, and so much more. So stay tuned for more of that Ruth Carter magic. Thank you for listening to Here's to Life with Tori Reid, executive produced by Patrick Howell. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. Here's to Life with Tori Reed was brought to you in part by The Hilton Sacramento Art and West in Sacramento, California, is committed to creating a safe and relaxing experience, including delivery of a clean stay from check-in to check-out. 
Located a couple of exits from downtown Sacramento and California's capital, our hotel provides a world-class stay, amenities, and rooms at the center of the California experience. California is a world-class economy with visionaries, doers, and dream catchers at its heart. Our mission, as with Here's to Life and Getting Deals Done, is the highest possible expression of excellence, business moxie, humanity, and client care. As the world moves at a fast and sometimes hectic pace, we will provide you with a peace of mind. The Hilton Sacramento Art and West is here to make your experience a better one. We look forward to receiving you. I am Ginger Levert, Director of Sales and Marketing at the Hilton Sacramento Art and West. Our focus is on the customer experience and a pristine excellence. When you travel to Sacramento, stay with us and I guarantee your peace of mind. Check back with our page, here's to lifeeveryday.com for new episodes. And if you like this show, don't forget to hit subscribe and be sure to leave a comment, rate, or review wherever you're listening and share it if you can. So here's to life today and every day. So long for now. <laughs>